Coaching is this like dirty little secret that you usually only find out about when you at some point end up working in a corporation and you find yourself reporting to a manager or a leader that gets all these special resources you don't get. <laughs> and then that's usually when you find out what a coach is. It's about helping you to take action. That yes. is the, the differentiator. It's about creating tangible steps and actions for you in a moment, in a day, in a week in your life. I'm joined by the wonderful Devin Brooks. Devin is an experienced leadership coach with a proven track record galvanizing emerging markets and scaling teams. She's created a new market category with her first business, Blow Blow Dry Bar. There's over 130 locations worldwide. She's also a mountain mama to two young kids, an athlete, an activist, and she's founded Sphere um, to make coaching inclusive and accessible. And Devin, I'm so, expi so excited to um, speak with you today, I think. A lot of my listeners are females and I love speaking with strong and inspiring women. So I'm just excited to get into this conversation with you. Well, I guess we'll find out. I know that I'm strong. I don't know how inspiring I am. You guys tell me. <laughs> um, so usually I want to get to like your childhood and kind of how you became who you are today. And I know that you have a very mixed background and I'm, I'm half Chinese, half French. So for me growing up with those two very different cultures really shaped who I was today. So yeah, I want to know what your childhood was like and how has that shaped who you are today? Hmm. Yeah. So I was born in Vancouver. Um, my mom was 21 when she had me so by today's standards very young <laughs> and um um my biological dad was young as well and she um she had been born in Nanaimo and grown up in Canada um whereas my biological dad was born in Manila and grew up between the Philippines the states and Canada and then spent the majority of his youth in Canada. And so I have had definitely like a very Canadian experience. I am a total West Coast girl through and through. I live in woolly socks and my mountain biking <laughs> boots and pants by ecologists or Carhartt and you know cute tops things that I need to be able to be in nature in whatever I'm wearing and know that I'm going to be good. Um, so it definitely has been cultivated in me, this, the feeling of the West Coast and the synonymousness that it has with uh, being connected to nature for me. In terms of my culture, my mom is um, British, her whole background, they're Caucasian. Um, so she's very fair and blue eyes and blonde, blonde hair. And my dad is Spanish, Chinese, Filipino. And so they had separated when I, a, a couple times between when I was two and six. And then they had their sort of Hail Mary, like, let's give this one more final go. And we all lived together for a year around when I was six. Um, and that version of our family dynamic um, wasn't going to work. And at the end of that year, um, they separated for good and moved in with their new partners. And, and that's when I would say I started having the, the experience that was more core to my childhood because I have a lot of lovely memories from them being together, but they, they are not as developing and influential to who I am today as I feel like what happened after six and seven years old. 
you're just so much more now that I have children. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and I can just see how, how they're navigating the world and how much more they observe at this age. And that was certainly true for me. And, and so I really connected with the, my dad's side of the family. Um, I felt really, I loved the, the culture um, at his, uh, his mother's house. We'd go every Wednesday um, and her name was Pasita Querion and she was from Valencia, Spain. And she always had an amazing head of hair that was perfectly coiffed and a silk blouse and her little Ferragamo slides. I don't, even when she was into her 90s, she still had her granny uniform dialed. Mm -hmm. And um, she, you know, made all the amazing food, pancit and adobo and paella. And I really connected with that part of my culture through food Mm -hmm. Um, and then through language hearing Tagalog and um, and Spanish and Cantonese and you know watching my family play mahjong and (laughs) and so it was it was really neat to go have that experience with one side of my family and then also to have quite a more yeah west coast European British experience um, with my mom's side of the family and my my mom's mom she was a really big part of my life. Um, her name was Josie. She actually passed away uh, due to COVID complications last year. She was just like the perfect British granny, quintessential British granny that you know walked in a room and was like, hello, my darling. <laughs> and uh, she was a really big part of my life because I always felt so understood by my grandma Josie. Mm-hmm. I felt like she understood my renegade soul. I I think many of us have that experience with a grandparent or an uncle, like someone that that's mm-hmm. not our mom and dad. Even if our mom and dad are exemplary parents who are, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk and connecting with us deeply, there's just always that sort of one family member off in the corner that you just feel like get some deep part of your soul. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, Granny Josie, I just always felt that she understood what was in my blood, that I was a rebel. And I, I loved that our conversations would always bring that out in me. I always felt really invited to explore with her topics about our family, things that were um, not off limits, but just not part of the narrative of our family dynamic. So she was definitely a big figure in my life. My mom undoubtedly is a huge figure in my life. Um, We spent a lot of time, you know, just us when she was single momming it for a while when I was young and, you know, in her drop top YJ listening to like Fields of Joy by Lenny Kravitz. Those like moments are seared in my memory. And she continued to be a huge influence. What she did for work influenced um, my vocabulary and the way that I communicate. She had been in, uh, started a conflict resolution company. She was an entrepreneur and the conflict management side of things really was where the coaching language was first introduced to me. Wow. What a, what a beautiful childhood. Thank you for like really painting the picture. I feel like I, I can visually see it. That's, that's like such a diverse, you know, culture. Drop top YJ. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. So where did that entrepreneurial spirit, like you had some great female leaders in your life. So where did that kind of come from? Because do you think, you know, I think in business school, we were taught that entrepreneurs aren't born or made. So what are your thoughts around that? 
lineage on both sides of my family is very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that they were entrepreneurs when I was a kid. I just, when you're a child, if your parent is a teacher, you're, it's very clear. My parent is a teacher. My dad yes. is a doctor. My mom is a professor, whatever. My parents had many different jobs and wore many hats and had different companies or different ideas and projects. So I never would have been able to say, you know, my mom or my dad does this, but I always knew that, um, that they were solving problems or bringing ideas to life. And I never, this, I, this word entrepreneur wasn't a big part of my vocabulary, believe it or not, even though both my parents, including my stepdad, uh, was extremely entrepreneurial. Interestingly, my lineage, my particularly my biological dad's dad, and I think that that's really important because my biological dad was not a huge figure in my life, um, and and not as a child, not as an adult, and but his dad was, and his lack of presence meant that my grandfather, who was from Shanghai, he was born in Shanghai, really stepped in teamed up with my mom and, you know, supported financially where, you know, when I was going to do a, a school program that was very unique, I was a public school kid. And then I had this opportunity around um, 16, 15, 16 uh, to sail around the world on a tall ship um, called class afloat. And it was a very, very cool, very expensive program. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have been able to do it likely if my grandpa hadn't leaned in and said, Devin hundred percent needs to do this. I agree. And teamed up with my mom to make it happen. Um, and so he really was extremely supportive in my life and definitely, you know, was beating a drum for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he had grown up, uh, very poor in, in China. His mom died at nine. He had many, um, entrepreneurial efforts that ended up cultivating a, a life of sort of financial stability for him. Um, and, and then later in life, like plentiful uh, financial stability. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it is interesting because when I sit with my lineage, my lineage is one of highly entrepreneurial people. Even my grandma Josie had her own daycare, mm-hmm. my little British granny. Yeah. When I sit with my lineage, there was definitely a through line of entrepreneurship and problem solving and bringing ideas to life. Um, though the, the term entrepreneur wasn't something that I used until I started my first business with my mom when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. So talk me through that. You were, I think you were 20 years old launching that. That's crazy. I think like even at 24 now, I can't really imagine that. So walk me through what you were thinking in your early twenties and like, were you terrified? Did you have imposter syndrome or you kind of just went with the flow? You kind of went with your instincts. So walk me through that. Started throwing around ideas with my mom. We wanted to do something together. I think by the time I was about 17, we started workshopping Mm -hmm. business ideas together and lots of, you know, writing on napkins at restaurants and uh, and then it was when I was going to the London College of Fashion and I was living in London, England, um, and I was in my second year of uni and I had this opportunity to write a business plan with the support of my prof. And I called my mom and we were sort of jamming on ideas and we landed together on this idea for 
blow dry bars on the phone. And I said, well, I have two weeks to write a business plan with my prof. I'm going to use this idea. And a couple of weeks later, I produced our business plan. We took it to um, a gentleman named Val Litwin, who was working, I believe, in marketing at her other company. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, would you come on and do some of the marketing and brand work with Devin and I on this? We're going to bring this business to life. And he said, well, I love this business so much. I don't just want to do the brand and marketing. I want to be your business partner. Mm-hmm. So then the three of us became co-founders and we opened our first location six months later. And what we started is called Blow Blow Dry Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look it up, blowmedry.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it was the category defining concept that created the Blow Dry Bar market category. So we were the first blow dry bar in the world. We created the concept of blow dry bars, defined the hair menu, defined the service of um, affordable luxury as it relates to you know, quick catwalk quality blowouts that were about 30 minutes for about $30. And we started that business together. And that was really when I realized that I was an entrepreneur, but it had been in the works for a few years. And to your earlier question, you know, so I don't think there is an answer. Are entrepreneurs made or born? I think it's a bit of both. I think Mm -hmm. our circumstances and experiences either uh, point us towards being a a renegade, a thought leader, a problem solver, um, or sort of point us away from that and collaborate, collaborate, collaborating, excuse me, in other ways. And for me, my experiences were always pointing me towards solving problems, building community, being in a leadership role. And then when you looked at my lineage, I had that in my blood all the way along. So I think that it's both um, nurture and nature. Beautiful. Yeah. And did you, when you were in the middle of it and launching that, did you have any mentors, coaches that used to help you through that? I had the good fortune. Co-founders are amazing if they're amazing and horrible if they're horrible. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why everybody, you know, in the investment world is always looking for companies with co-founders because it's usually what blows up is the, mm. the co-founder relationship. Relationships, many, many of us will find are the most challenging part of life, whether it's personally, <laughs> romantically, yes. fam- familially, or work. Uh, I really lucked out in that first business because I started my business with my mom and she and I had had a really unique relationship that we built together and a ton in common and a-, a way of connecting and communicating that really worked for us and allowed us to have, to manage having the mother-daughter nuance in our relationship as well as the the nuance of being equals as business partners and the nuance of also her being a more seasoned sophisticated entrepreneur who had already been there and done that and me doing my first thing so there was many nuances in that relationship and definitely some bumpy moments but I think by and large we would both look at that and and feel really proud of the relationship that we had in that business together and, and where our relationship is um, now and over the years. So I really lucked out is the short story. I lucked out because um, we had the, the perfect trifecta in our relationship um, that meant that inherently I had partners, I had mentors because we were each good at different things. And then certainly as we grew that business and I grew my network, 
Um, and I started to know sort of high people in high places, so to speak, or really experienced and seasoned talent. Um, I started to cultivate a really beautiful network of mentors that actually would later go on to be the first people to write me checks for my current business. Wow. Incredible. So what about you in your personal life? Do you have any more mentors, friends, coaches, whatever you want to call it? And what do you really look for in terms of more, maybe your more personal life compared to career driven? Yeah. So for me, it's all the same. I don't believe um, my experience has has shown me that there isn't a any sort of division between the personal and the professional or like home and career or work. What affects us in one place affects us in another place. And if you have a different story about that, I, I would really suggest and urge you to contemplate an openness to them being one and the same. Because the reality is when challenges happen to us, those triggers Im- impact the way we think and feel um, and our behavior. And then that behavior shows up in every facet um, that we show up in, regardless of what that facet is. And so I don't, I don't believe in this idea that there's like this court of our lives and that court of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, um, my mentors and coaching relationships have been extremely influential to all aspects of my life. Uh, Definitely coaching has been a big part of my entire um, adulthood and as well, my, my whole career experience. You know, we were so successful in creating this vibration and culture in the blow, blow, dry bar business because communication and coaching frameworks were at the foundation of our culture. And, and so it was no surprise that when I sold that business six years later with my co-founders that I ended up becoming a leadership coach and working with many people um, over the course of the next six years and then started a, a coaching company myself, um, my current business sphere. That journey was very much inspired by the, the resources, the coaches and mentors that I had along the way and me really experiencing the efficacy and power of those um, unbiased relationships. Because as I talked about with my co-founders, what if you start a business or if you work in a team, you will find, and I'm sure you will agree, that you can have the most enriching conversations and um, inspiring insights from people you trust and love Um, And you will likely also agree that even in the best advice from the people you work with or that you love who love you, there is inherent bias. There is is something they're afraid of for you. There is something they don't want you to get hurt about. There is a risk they're afraid for you to take, usually because they're afraid for themselves or that was their own projection on their own experience. And it is very difficult for us to remove that function in the moment when we communicate. And so what has been so impactful for me is this idea of engaging people who are coaches that are unbiased thinking partners who are seasoned and skilled and experienced in helping um, procure the right question at the right moment 
and helping distill out of one's self, out of myself, what is the next step, what I need next. Um, how do I align my behavior with my belief or my purpose? So coaching has been um, a instrumental in, in my success and my career experience, as well as who I am as a human being and all the pride that I take in my own integrity mm -hmm. and, and in my compassion and my heart. Yes. Yes. So a lot of my listeners are younger and might not know the full concept of coaching. So do you mind kind of explaining like on the platform on sphere with people, if they don't know what kind of coaching can they expect and um, how do they know what to look for and like find the right kind of coach for them? Yeah. Great question. Um, <laughs> coaching is this like dirty little secret that you usually only find out about when you uh, at some point end up working in a corporation and you find yourself reporting to a manager or a leader that gets all these special resources you don't get. <laughs> and then that's usually when you find out what a coach is. And coaches um, become coaches by virtue of being extremely skilled in um, development um, and in um, in productivity habits, growth, and well-being, and um, generally go to uh, lead careers that point toward positions of sort of teacher, mentor, guide, facilitator. And then what happens is they go, oh gosh, my favorite part of what I do is helping people grow. I'm going to go become a certified coach. And then they go seek a certification at one of the many thousands of different certifications there are in the world from neuroscience-based certifications to uh, emotional intelligence-based certifications. Um, and then they gain and sharpen their teeth uh, around a specific skill set and specialization and framework that allows them to cultivate incredible leaders in partnership with the people that they work with. And so what a coach is, is a seasoned, experienced, and certified, uh, in many cases, unbiased thinking partner that has your back, is your cheerleader, and is the person who uh, you will go to for many conversations and contemplations in, in the different arenas of your life, be it career, leadership, relationships, well-being, health. And so I'm not talking about a fitness coach or um, a sports coach. I'm talking about the kind of coaching that develops the leaders of the future, um, that helps you become the best, most thoughtful um, communicator that you can be, that helps you orient back towards again and again your purpose um, and helps you to align your behaviors and beliefs. So this is very much about personal development. Mm -hmm. And this is just one of those dirty little secrets, as I said, that usually you don't even learn or know is out there until you end up working at a corporate company. And so we started Sphere to demystify and democratize coaching because we believe that uh, everybody should have access to this experience that's scientifically proven to support and drive social and emotional intelligence and ultimately the characteristics of the leaders of tomorrow, like 
cognitive flexibility and creativity and optimism, which is the number one ingredient of resilience. And so I would really suggest that you think about this if you were contemplating your well-being or the idea of personal growth, that how Sphere thinks about this is um, reactive care, like counseling, therapy, psychotherapy, versus proactive growth and well-being, which is where coaching comes into play. So reactive care is about getting you from sort of a negative to neutral. Mm -hmm. And you usually go there when you're seeking some sort of diagnosis or prescriptive program to feel neutral or well again. Whereas coaching is there to help you toggle um, between all those challenging moments that you'll have as an individual where you're constantly going to be going, oh, how I got to where I am isn't going to get me to where I want to go next. What do I need to do? How do I need to evolve? That's where coaching plays. Yes. But thank you for explaining that because the concept of coaching in general, I think to my group of friends or my age demographic or where I went to school, it's, it's very foreign. It's not something that, you know, that we're really taught about, or I feel like we find out about it later on in life. And I think this is a, those peak years, those instrumental years that we need that development. Like when I think of, for me, there is that definitely bias when I'm seeking out help either through some friends or my mom or anyone around me, there's that bias for me personally, if I'm feeling down, I've gone to my therapist and we talk through it, but having that with a therapist, I find that, you know, you talk mostly about yourself and they can give advice, but there's no really back and forth in the sense that they're not really opening up about, you know, their experience or their personal life. So I can see why coaching Mm -hmm. it's, it really guides you through that because coaches, you know, they'll, they'll share about their experiences and it's very um, mutually beneficial, like relationship. So I think, yeah, I think coaching is such a great concept. Um, and it's all about, you said it, Sav, it's about helping you to take action. That is the, the differentiator. It's about Mm -hmm. creating tangible steps and actions for you in a moment, in a day, Mm -hmm. in a week in your life, um, to, to take steps towards the person you believe you're capable of being. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, everybody in that company at Blow Blow Dry Bar got coaching and they were all between 18 and their early twenties. I started getting coaching at 21 um, formally and I've continued to, I'm now 34. So it's been my entire career that I've had coaching and it'll be till I die because you're never done working on yourself. You never have all the answers. You're never complete in orienting back towards your purpose. You're never done having challenging conversations. It is, it is just, you know, an inherent part of life, but what coaching helps you do is um, really meet those challenges with the utmost integrity. Okay. Yeah. And I'm trying to put myself in the minds of like, even myself or someone around my age is we're, you know, fresh out of school into my career. I feel like I need, like, I, how do you know what to look for in coaching? Cause I feel like there's so many different areas of my life. Like does a coach usually fulfill most of those areas? Do people have multiple coaches for different areas? I know like one, like my career affects my personal life. They're very intertwined, but usually do most. Yeah. Like how do you kind of find the right coach? Is it kind of, is it kind of like dating? You just kind of meet a bunch of people and see what clicks <laughs> or yeah. How does it work? Well, It actually is so hard to find a great coach and a great coach for you. Mm -hmm. The coaching business started 
about 40 to 50 years ago in the executive leadership space in corporations. And it has largely stayed there. And it's why it's been really unaccessible and exclusive and expensive um, and not really a part of popular vernacular. And, and our goal is to make this totally accessible and to demystify and democratize coaching because it's a tool that you should have access to in university and for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and so our goal was to, to mitigate all the challenges around which coach should I have which coach is right for me? What certifications do they need? Where do I find them? Um, how will I know that they're the right fit? So we built an assessment where you jump into Sphere and, and we get to learn about where you're at and where you're going and what's important to you next. And then we use that information to make suggestions based on our ecosystem of more than 400 guides around the world. And we make suggestions, okay, that these are your best fit guides for where you're at and what you want to grow. And and then you're able in the app to go, okay, explore their profiles, book some free meets so you can meet them 15 minutes each for free and feel, oh, who am I vibing with? Because really that empowered choice is so critical. And by meeting a couple of guides in Sphere, that's where you really get so crystal clear on the kind of person you want to work with and what you want to start working on. Because most people, when they come to Sphere or to coaching, they don't necessarily have a specific thing, like a symptom, the same way that you may when you go to therapy or counseling. You're just like, I just know that I can do better. I just know that I could feel different. I just know that I can support my confidence. I don't really know what about. And and so then by taking this assessment and having those first couple of conversations, you're able to get clear on saying to those guides, oh, okay, well, what would we work on together? Here's where I'm at. This is what's challenging for me right now. This is what I'm contemplating. And then that guide is gonna say to you, Um, okay, this is where we would start on. I would recommend this many sessions. We'll start with a, you know, one hour, two weeks from now, and we'll focus in on this. And from that, we'll get to here. So they're actually going to create a path for you in that first conversation that's going to give you a sense of, oh, is this person right for me? Um, So you get to meet them for 15 minutes each until you decide who you want to work with. In this year experience, it takes about two to three meets on average for you to go like, ding, 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 this is my person (laughs) um, and make that first booking. And the beautiful thing is coaching is very habit forming. So I promise you, once you get to three or six sessions with a great guide, like the ones we have in Sphere, you are on your way to building a habit for life. That is a tool that will work for you that you will come back to again and again. And, you know, what we see is people will do, you know, six or eight sessions and then they'll pause for a few months and then they'll be like, hmm, I feel like, you know, how I was feeling a year ago. What's changed? Oh, I stopped doing that thing that really works for me. Okay, I'm going to start working with a coach again. And this happens again and again and again. And so it's this really beautiful tool that you'll integrate into the rest of your life, um, support you in many of those areas of life. And so, um, the beautiful thing is like before sphere, if you wanted to work with a coach, 
you had to go do all the heavy lifting of finding one. And then maybe they were career or leadership oriented, but not mindfulness relationship oriented. So in the sphere experience on one membership, you're able to work with multiple coaches for multiple purposes. Um, and the average we actually see in a two year period is about 2.2. Wow. Yeah. So like the only mentorship that we kind of had in school, there was a mentorship program, but it was very much geared towards specifically career. And like, as you said, I don't think either. It's just like, you can't just have like, I, my life is just, it's everything. It's career, personal, family, friends. Um, and I had met with these people. It was very geared towards career. And for me, I find way more fulfillment kind of diving deeper into everything. So yeah, I can understand mm -hmm. why, you know, coaching appeals because it's, you know, it's, it's talks about kind of everything in your life, which is great because it's not just career focus. And I think I was raised my generation with like my mom's generation. Um, it's very much like you keep your career life private or sorry, you keep your personal life private from your career. But I mm -hmm. think now it's just, you know, that's the old way. Different. It's the old way. <laughs> and it's not like that anymore. Um, and yeah, I like the only, I had some mentors in my corporate role where we would spend even just like half an hour talking about work, the other half an hour, just about life and personal growth. And those conversations to me were way more beneficial. Like, obviously I can learn on the job, get those skills done, but those conversations about growth and like sharing about our personal lives and how that affects work and whatnot. Um, I really found those super beneficial. Totally. And so mm -hmm. if you've already had a little taste of that with mentorship, the, the outcomes of coaching are just mentorship times a thousand because you're getting a person who's actually like seasoned and skilled and trained in having these kinds of conversations and, um, and really orienting you towards the results and outcomes that you want. So if you already had a taste of what feels yes. good about <laughs> that in mentorship, then yeah. you would 100% benefit from a coach and, and really sink your teeth into it faster than you think. Mm -hmm. I love that. So before we get into the rapid fire questions, I just have a last question where I'm just yeah. curious to know, how have you reinvented the idea of success in your life from being, you know, growing up in your child, college grad, being a business owner, selling that business, starting sphere, and now like a mother and leader. So how have you kind of mm -hmm. reinvented the idea of success in your life? <laughs> Well, I had more money at 24 than I have right now. <laughs> when you have young children, mm -hmm. you know, your, um, your, your life changes so much. And um, I think that's so wild in your 20s. You don't realize before you're in partnership and before you have children or really big responsibilities, you don't realize just um, how much freedom and flexibility you have and even regardless of what salary you make or how little money you make, how you'll likely have more expendable income at those stages of your life than you will through your thirties, because then you add so many more costs, so many more responsibilities. So it's this sort of wild surprise <laughs> switch that you realize in your thirties. But I think over the last sort of 15 years of, of my adult experience and my career experiences, what ha has really become apparent uh, for me and crystallized is that the idea of success for me is really a feeling mm -hmm. and it is a feeling of being um, optimistic and well and grounded and inspired and patient and, and contributing 
And it is, it is a feeling that encompasses those things uh, and a state becomes a state. And when I feel successful, it is because I am in that state uh, where all of those things are true. And it has nothing to do with how much money is in my bank or not, or whether, you know, I hit a goal or not, and everything to do with that feeling and how I'm moving through the world. And, and so that has been very transformative for me. It's definitely something that has come through my personal development work and continues to crystallize as I have more experiences and as I get older, because you um, and are reminded again and again how quickly many things come and go, um, but that you're always left with you and your heart and your brain um, and your body. And it's then all about what you do with it and the feeling that you carry forward into every moment. So yeah, for me, success is a feeling. It is a state. Wow. I love that. That was beautifully said. Um, I was hoping, okay, let's, let's end the episode with a few rapid fire questions. If you're, if you have time for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favorite way to sweat? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, downhill mountain biking. Nice. Okay. Is there like a specific area just up in Whistler? Is that your, your safe haven? Oh my God. Everywhere. I, um, fell in love with this sport and, uh, I love like putting the armor of the pads on and like buckling into my helmet and wearing my little leopard print mountain biking gloves. And then, you know, doing a big hour climb, um, up a technical trail and then hitting a black or a double black down and then hitting all those features, even ones that I've done again and again and again. Um, it's so enlivening. It's so inspiring and it really builds my courage. It makes me feel like a badass. So definitely my favorite way to sweat is mountain biking um, in my backyard because all the trails are about seven minutes away from me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Um, what is your ideal morning routine? My ideal morning routine is snuggling with my babies at 5 a.m. and watching the sun sort of sneak in through my window and turn my my white walls orange and pink and the smell of coffee though I moved to decaf because it makes me crazy now (laughs) so I I still love the ritual and the flavor Um, but decaf coffee it is for me being able to play and be present with my kids before like moving rigorously into the day so sometimes it's like a stretch on the floor or a meditation or playing a little game or reading in bed with them before I go into like breakfast mode and then um and then it's yeah breakfast lunches try to remember to feed myself (laughs) (laughs) maybe I put some electrolytes in some water if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. good to myself um and then start my first phone calls usually in the school parking lot (laughs) wow love it on the go um, what is, some, yeah. What is something that you dislike about your job? I feel like a lot of people say how much they love what they love, but what do you dislike or you find like <laughs> most challenging? My least favorite days are mm-hmm. the days where I'm staring at my computer incessantly because it's so hard on your eyes. I am so 
uh, juiced up by people and conversations and design and nature that almost all of the most impactful, you know, things and ideas for my business come from me, you know, with bare feet on a walk in the woods by myself or with a team member or on a phone call. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, the, the challenging part is the days where I have to do like a 12 or 13 hour computer day. Cause usually yes. I'm just white. (laughs) Okay. Um, and last question, who are the three most influential people in your life? And I've had guests group people, like it could be parents if you want or whatever, but yeah, if you can pick three most influential people. Uh, in this moment of my life, I would say my mom and my children, Mm -hmm. my mom and my kids, Rosen and Clooney, my mom, for obvious reasons, you know, she's been an extraordinarily um, inspiring figure in my life. One of my confidants, biggest supporters, biggest cheerleaders always has my back, pushes me the hardest, drives me crazier than anyone else can. <laughs> and, um, and also always is there to motivate and challenge me to be however hard it is the best absolute um, version of myself. And, and then my kids, because they're just so like a part of the fabric of my soul and everything that's cool about them is, is, is so amazing and sort of otherworldly to watch. It's like watching yourself in some other dimension where, you know, you're cooler and smarter and, (laughs) and they're, yeah, they just, they're, they're art, they're artistic and their kindness and their intuitiveness is, is so brilliant and I think the role that they play at this moment in my life at the age they're at is just that they're always they're always bringing me to my knees you know they ground you right in the present there's nowhere else that you'd rather be when you're with those kids wow beautiful and I've seen photos of your of your kids on your Instagram they're so precious they're so cute <laughs> Clooney and Rosen Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Devin. I know this went a little bit over time, but I love chatting with you. I can just tell how passionate you are with what you do and it really just shines through. Um, And it makes me smile just listening to you speak about it and talk about Spear and and coaching and all that. So thank you so much for just being honest and for coming on this podcast with me. Thank you for having me. And if um, you want to follow along, I'm at Devs Development on Instagram and you can find Spear at Spear.Guide um, or Spear.Guide on the web um, and take that app for a world. It's free and you're like a couple clicks away from diving into an amazing, powerful tool that can support you through the rest of your life. So why not try? <laughs>